It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bott Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, I tell you what, here we are. Here we are right at Mother's Day. Wow. Everybody, everybody has one, you know. Everybody has a mother. But we don't really think as much as we should about the significance of a person's mother from the very moment uh, they're in her womb. They hear her voice as they're developing, as, as this child is developing in her womb. They hear her voice, and they're nurtured upon the moment that they are uh, born, and that's so important. Rich, uh, you have something there. What is a mother? Yes, I do. Let me read this. Yeah. It says, What is a mother? A mother is someone to shelter and guide us, to love us whatever we do, with a warm understanding and infinite patience and wonderful gentleness, too. How often a mother means swift reassurance in soothing our small, childish fears. How tenderly mothers watch over their children and treasure them all through the years. The heart of a mother is full of forgiveness for any mistake, big or small, and generous always in helping her family whose needs she has placed above all. A mother can utter a word of compassion and make all our cares fall away. She can brighten a home with the sound of her laughter and make life delightful and gay. A mother possesses incredible wisdom and wonderful insight and skill. In each human heart is that one special corner which only a mother can fill. And the author of that is Catherine Nelson Davis. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it is beautiful. Isn't it interesting? You know, you never hear something written like that about a father. And that certainly isn't to denigrate uh, fatherhood or anything of that sort. But the mother, now listen, folks, a mother and a father make up the family. That is God's ideal. Let's never forget that, because in today's politically correct society and the direction we're going, we can tend to forget that. God had a plan, and the plan included a mother and a father. And if you don't have a mother, maybe you have a grandmother, maybe you have an aunt, maybe you have someone else to fill that role— But that role is so important in the life of every human being, isn't it? It is. You know, just like every child is a gift from God, every child is given also from God a mother and a father. Isn't that neat to think of it? It goes both ways. All right, folks. Well, let's see. Now you have the young mothers. You have have the newly married uh, mothers, Izzy women. And then all of a sudden, then here comes the baby. And so then there's the young mothers. And then there are the mothers of children that are getting into school age. And then, my word, quick as a wink, they're moving on up into junior high and high school. And it happens so fast. I always called the later on then the middle-aged mothers, you know. They got a lot on their plate. And then, of course, you have the mothers of grown children. And then, finally, you have the grandmothers. And I'll tell you, your grandmother, Rich, my mother— My mother, what was her favorite scripture verse? Her favorite verse was this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And I tell you what, that's what Grandma, (laughs) that's what Grandma, 
It's said over and over and over again, isn't it? That's right. And um, I want to just give a shout out to my mom and say, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Yeah, that's right. All right. Now, now, where did Mother's Day come from? I did a little research on this, and it's interesting. All right. Are you ready? Anna Jarvis is recognized as the founder of Mother's Day in the United States. Though Anna Jarvis never married and never had children of her own, she is also known as the mother of Mother's Day, an apt title for the lady who worked hard to bestow honor on all mothers. Now, Anna Jarvis got the inspiration of celebrating Mother's Day from her own mother. Isn't that nice? An activist and social worker, Mrs. Jarvis, used to express her desire that someday someone would honor all mothers, living and dead, and pay tribute to the contributions they made in the lives of all of us. A loving daughter, Anna, never forgot her mother's words. And when her mother died in 1905, she resolved to fulfill her mother's desire and have a Mother's Day. So a growing negligent, um, the, the negligent attitude of adult Americans toward their mothers, even at that time, fueled her desire to uh, honor mothers. And to begin with, Anna sent uh, carnations uh, to the church service in Grafton, West Virginia, to honor her mother. Now, the carnations were her mother's favorite flower, and Anna felt that they symbolized a mother's pure love for her child. Later, Anna, along with her supporters, wrote letters to people in positions of power lobbying for official declaration of Mother's Day holiday. The hard work paid off, and in 1911, Mother's Day was celebrated in almost every state in the Union. And on May 8, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a joint resolution designating the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. Isn't that interesting, Rich, that it always takes a spark plug to get the engine going, doesn't it? And here you had a person full of vim and vigor, and it was because of her mother and what her mother always said about mothering that then made her say, well, let's get something going and happening. And that's what, uh, that's what it was. I never knew that there was a beginning to Mother's Day. I guess there had to be, but it seems like there's always been a Mother's Day. It's interesting that someone took that initiative. Well, it sure is, and I tell you what, I'm glad that I'm sticking around a little while longer because you haven't learned everything yet, have you? <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, I want you to hear a song by the little children. You see, it starts out with the kids, doesn't it? It starts out with the kids. I have a granddaughter now who is having now her third child. Of course, Shirley and I, my wife and I, we have 13 great-grandchildren, and that's a blessing. As a matter of fact, the grandchildren were a blessing, and as a matter of fact, our own children were a blessing. Children are a blessing. But listen to the sound of these little kids. I've got something special for Mother's Day To thank you for the love that you give me every day It's just a little heart, but it says all I can say And it's just for you on Mother's Day
my fingers around So they make a heart Then I blow it like a kiss And I send it your way And it's just for you on Mother's Day Something special for Mother's Day To thank you for the love that you give me every day It's just a little hard, but it says all I can say And it's just for you on Mother's Day And it's just for you on Mother's Day yeah. Isn't that neat? Now, listen, I think you have, if you look through your papers there, you'll find a quote by Abraham Lincoln. And somebody sent that to me. As a matter of fact, I know who it was. It was just this past week, a quote by Abraham Lincoln. Do you have it there? I do. Abraham Lincoln, um, he must have had a godly mother. He says, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Ah. Now, do you know who his angel mother was? That was his birth mother. But Abraham Lincoln had then later on a stepmother. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, this past week, uh, Rich, um, your mother and I, Shirley, uh, we've been to the funeral. And uh, my goodness sakes, this mother, a wonderful Christian, uh, she was only in her 40s. And she passed away. And three children left behind, and a grieving, grieving husband. So they are facing Mother's Day today, uh, this weekend, without their mother. And I mean to tell you, she was a good one, but God, God is faithful. God is, the, is in whom we have our trust and, uh, and our hope. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit about Abraham Lincoln and his life. Now, Nancy Hanks Lincoln gave birth to the great emancipator on February 12, 1809, had installed the virtues of honesty and compassion in her son and sowed the seeds of his intellectual curiosity. That's what mothers do in working with those little kids. Although lacking a formal education of her own. All right, now listen, you homeschool moms, remember that. You don't have to have a college degree to teach your children and get them started with the joy of learning. Because here it was, uh, Abraham Lincoln's mother, Nancy Hanks Lincoln, uh, was lacking a formal education of her own. She nevertheless impressed the importance of learning and reading on her young boy, Abraham as they moved about the Kentucky and Indiana, Indiana frontier. When his mother died in 1818, the nine-year-old boy was devastated. Fourteen months later, Lincoln's father, Thomas, returned to his former home of Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and called on Sarah Bush Johnson, who had been widowed. And as soon as the widow Johnson had, she lost her husband in 1816, answered the knock on the door, Thomas proposed, 
Once he agreed to pay off her husband's outstanding debts, Thomas accepted uh, the matrimonial offer, and widow and widower wed on December 2nd, 1819. Isn't that interesting that this mention here, because she had debts, she had bills to pay. And she said, well, look now, if you, you want to marry me, I'm an honorable person. I've got to pay this off. And so... Uh, so Thomas, well, he said, okay, then that's, that'll be part of the deal. Because <laughs> he had, well, listen, now, this, it goes on. So Thomas Lincoln brought Sarah and her three children back to his small Indiana cabin to live with his two surviving children. One was Abraham, and Abraham's sister's name was Sarah. Thomas Lincoln's new wife found Indiana to be wild and desolate. Uh, and the same could have been said about young Abraham, her stepson. He was kind of, um, had been without a mom far too long. And Sarah Lincoln dressed him up so that he looked more human and brought a woman's touch to their sparse cabin. She very quickly turned things around. You know, that's what a woman does in a house. That's what a woman does in a family. That's what a woman does in, in a home. And uh, they call that the woman's touch, don't they, Rich? Yes, I guess so. All right, they were living on dirt floors at the time. So uh, Sarah had Thomas put in a wooden floor right away and fix the roof and whitewash the house. Come on, let's get this fixed up. And within weeks, it was a whole new household. And they had become human again. That's what the story says. Let's go on. Sarah Lincoln found her new stepson, Abraham, to be a model child. Abe was the best boy I ever saw, she said years later. I can say what I can say what scarcely a one woman, a mother, can ever say in a thousand. And it is this Abe never gave me a crossword or look, and never refused, in fact, or even in appearance, to do anything I requested. Sarah also vouched for Honest Abe's longstanding reputation for integrity. Now, isn't that nice? By the time that boy was nine years old, his birth mother had instilled that into him. See, folks, God has a plan. God's in charge. Let's never forget God is a great physician. Now, we have practicing doctors, and we have practicing physicians, but God is a great physician, and and he makes the call, and he has a plan. So anyway, that's what... Now, Sarah filled the enormous void in Abraham Lincoln's life with the loss of his biological mother. Although likely illiterate herself, she furthered his, his birth mother's um, um, reading that, that she had given her boy. And, and, and uh, Sarah fed her stepson's thirst for knowledge by providing him with books to read. Sarah had an appreciation for the value of education. She recognized early on there was something special about the boy and defended his right to pursue his intellectual development. You know, this is coming from the mother. This is coming from the mother. She was mothering that kid. 
Now, when Thomas Lincoln, this is a father, died in 1851, Sarah found herself a widow once again, and Lincoln helped to support his stepmother and maintained a 40-acre plot for her on the Illinois Plains. See, I mean, uh, let's pass it on, folks. Uh, he didn't. He didn't desert her. He didn't say, "Well, let's let's see if the state here will do something. The state will take care of her. The state will, so on and so forth." Now, when Sarah died in 1869, she was buried in a black woolen dress given to her by her stepson Abraham during their final reunion. A token of appreciation for all she had done for him, she recognized a boy of tremendous talent and saw the diamond when when virtually everyone else around this gangly, awkward boy, when everyone else around that, that kind of an ugly-looking kid only saw the rough spots, his stepmother saw the person And this little story is ended by saying, because that's what mothers do. Uh, let's have another one of these little kids' songs. Mommy and me, mommy and me, mommy makes me happy on Mother's Day. Let's celebrate things that make my mommy great. She helps me learn my Neat, isn't that neat? You know, Mother's Day is a family thing, isn't it, Rich? You got the little ones, and then you got the older teenagers, and then you've got the adults, and and it never stops when you have a mother. It never stops, does it? Here's a great quote, author unknown, but it says the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother, and you've done that. Yeah, well, you, well, thank you, Rich. But you know, folks, uh, I I heard that years and years ago. Uh, people, I, I read something that said that children, given a choice and they have to choose one or the other, do they want the father to love them? What, what is it they want most? And, and the conclusion was 
they want more than anything else to live in a home where the father loves their mother. Did you hear that? And then, of course, maybe. Maybe that's where the love for the child just comes forth. When you have a happy home, can you have a happy home if you don't have a happy marriage committed to each other? So I don't know exactly. I can't parse that and untangle it all, but I know that was the research. It was more important to the children that their father loved their mother than it was whether the father loved them. Isn't that amazing? Sure, and then the love permeates the rest of the family. Yeah, that is for sure. Now here, here I want to I want to just tell somebody I want to tell our family, our Bot Radio Network family, about watching out for these older ones, and caring about these older ones. You know, it's years ago that Irma Bombeck had this article. I don't know. I suppose everybody knows who she was, a syndicated columnist, but maybe some don't. But Irma Bombeck it was it was called Once an Adult and Twice a Child. And she said that when she can remember riding in her car, her mother would be driving and she would be sitting on the passenger seat and her mother would be talking to her and they'd be going down in traffic. And then if her mother had to stop suddenly, her arm would automatically go out to the right to protect the child from from getting thrown forward. That was just automatic. And she said years and years later when she was driving and her elderly mother was sitting in the passenger seat next to her, and all of a sudden in the traffic, she had to stop abruptly. And all of a sudden, her arm just flew out automatically, reflexively. And all of a sudden, she said, my word, um, my mother is becoming me and I am becoming my mother. That's why, that's why I, I heard her say, once an adult, those are the middle generation, but twice a child. You have that little one that's born and then you have the other one that you take care of and care about, and so on and so forth. So when I saw this, it really meant a lot to me. Uh, this is about a little lady, a little old lady in a nursing home. She's in a rest home. She's in a senior citizen place, you see. And uh, let's face it, folks, nothing is static. Nothing is static. Everything is in motion. We're on the journey, and the journey doesn't stop, and that's why we care for each other along the way. So anyway, this, uh, this poem, um, uh, the, the writer was never known. Let me just read the whole thing here. This poem is floating around. So, uh, according to some, it was found among the meager possessions of an old woman who died in the geriatric ward uh, of a Dundee a Scotland Hospital. And it was later published in a news magazine. Uh, and uh, they don't know exactly where it was, but it was found among this this old lady's possessions. But this is, listen to this, folks. What do you see, nurses? What do you see? What are you thinking when you're looking at me, a crabby old woman, not very wise, uncertain of habit, with faraway eyes, who dribbles her food and makes no reply when you say in a loud voice, I would do wish you'd try? who seems not to notice the things that you do and forever is losing a stocking or shoe, uh, who, resisting or not, lets you do as you will, bathing and feeding the long day to fill. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you see? Then open your eyes, nurse. You're not looking at me. I'll tell you who I am. 
I sit here so still as I do at your bidding, as I eat at your will. I'm a small child of ten, with a father and a mother and brothers and sisters who love one another. Uh, next, I'm a young girl of 16 with wings on her feet, dreaming that soon a lover she'll meet, a bride soon at 20. My heart gives a leap, remembering the vows that I promised to keep. At 25 now, I have young of my own who need me to guide and secure a happy home. A woman of 30 now, my young now growing fast, bound to each other uh, with ties that should last. At 40, my young sons have grown and are gone, but my man's beside me to see that I don't mourn. At 50, once more, babies play around my knee. Again, we know children, my loved one and me. Dark days are upon me. My husband is now dead. I look at the future and I shudder with dread. For my young are all uh, rearing young of their own. And I think of the years and the love that I've known. I'm now an old woman and nature is cruel. Tis just to make old age look like a fool. The body it crumbles, grace and vigor depart. There is now a stone where I once had a heart. Inside me, inside this old carcass, a young girl still dwells. And now and again, my battered heart swells. I remember the joys, I remember the pain, and I'm loving and living all over again. I think of the years all too few gone so fast and accept the stark fact that nothing can last so open your eyes please nurses open your eyes and see not a crabby old woman look closer and see me our good friend Swan Bates uh, just recently uh, celebrated her 90th birthday and I have never our family has never known anyone uh, more like Swan Bates who knows how to pray and I asked Swan Bates to pray for mothers all over America and this is her prayer Lord we just come to you this beautiful beautiful day and we just pray that Lord you will bless all the godly women mothers of this land. And what a responsibility we have, Lord, to raise, train, and teach our children and grandchildren in the ways of the Lord. Lord, let us not be busy with just good things that we might miss the very best. Spending time in prayer for our children and grandchildren, Lord, early in the mornings while it's still dark. You got up early in the morning. So let us, Lord, come and battle for them each day, Lord. These are warfare days, and for their little mind, soul, and spirit. Father, I pray that prayer would be a priority in our lives. 
We all have 24 hours a day. So teach us by uh, to be up and praying and be wise and discerning. And pray before they go to school. And at night before they go to bed. And out loud so they can hear our prayers, Lord. And give us the scriptures that we're to pray for them. Send them with scriptures in their lunch boxes, And pray before school at night. And teach our children and grandchildren to look to you and seek you with all their heart. So, Lord, put us in a place that we might be used by you. And, Lord, even that we might, Lord, teach them scriptures, that they'll have it in their, in their minds and on their little hearts, in the lunch boxes, and wherever they might go. So thank you, Lord, for the responsibility we have of being mothers and be godly mothers and seeking you with all of our heart. Pray without ceasing. And, Lord, we thank you for all the blessings we have. Thank you for the responsibility you have given us. So, Lord, may we be faithful in what you've given us to do and to keep on seeking you with all of our heart, not looking to our own understanding. All our ways acknowledge you, that you direct our steps and path. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, what else can I say, folks? That Amen. was Swan Bates. Just celebrated her 90th birthday just a few weeks ago, and she knows how to pray. This is Dick Bott and Rich Bott with this chapter of the Complete Stories of Public Service, and I'll see you later. Happy Mother's Day.